0: looking to the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 8, familiar passage, we normally think of it in its context, let me read it to you, I, I know thy works, behold I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and has kept my word, and has not denied my name, I will set before thee an open door, no man can shut it for thou hast a little strength thou hast kept my word and has not denied my name those last three things at the last a little strength you've kept my word you've not denied my name those were superb reasons for God saying what he said if those last three things wouldn't couldn't have been said about the church of Philadelphia God would not have set before them an open door But because of those things, God was comfortable in setting before them an open door. As the Lighthouse Church walks into 2020, I pray that those last three things can be intact so that the first portion of that, God can be comfortable in saying, I'm going to set before you an open door. Can we pray together? Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercies. Thank you for your your ways of dealing with people. Thank you, God, for your comforting power. Thank you, Lord, for your direction. We ask that you would help in Jesus' name. Bless, we ask. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I will set before you an open door. Not only is the Lighthouse Church going into 2020, and by the way, if you've read all of your your stuff on social media, don't write January the fifth, twenty. So you've got to write January the fifth, twenty twenty. Ask me later; I'll tell you if you don't already. Ask our assistant pastor; he can tell you. About it. We all are going into a brand new. We're going into a year that we've never lived in before. Things that will be coming to face us in 2020, we've never faced them before. Decisions that will come our way, we've never faced that decision before. Activities that we've never been involved in before will come our way in 2020. I'm not saying that as a prophet, but I've lived through enough years to know that that happens every year. So I'm not speaking in a prophetic sense when I say that. Do you know, I want y'all to look at me real close tonight. Do y'all realize I have lived in eight decades? That's if you consider 2020 the start of a new decade. I have lived in eight decades. I'm too old to die young. Isn't that comforting enough? But I've lived long enough that I know that every year I can be aware that this next year is going to have some new things for me, some places I've never been, some decisions I've never made, some experiences I've never had, and I need to be able to deal with them with God-given wisdom. I love to read... I probably love short stories better than long stories because I get my thrill quicker. But there's one story I love. I'm going to start telling it to you. Some of you will know it immediately when I start. But back in a barbaric time, there was a particular king who made his decisions and, and his judgments in a peculiar way. Instead of having a, a jury or a trial, he had the unique way of... He had There was a large arena in his capital city. And the arena, as you look down into the arena, the arena had three doors. He sat on the, the top level of the arena looking down into it. All of the lords and important people sat with him. All the common people sat around the arena looking into the arena itself. And there was one door in the arena, and and it was kind of below his uh, throne. And whoever he was trying, whoever had the issue, and he was going to decide what the outcome would be, they would walk through that door from underneath. They would walk out into that open arena. On the opposite side of the arena were two doors. And traditionally, behind one door was a heard it someone said it. it was a tiger behind the other door was a lady and the man who had the issue whatever his problem was if he was accused of murder he would walk out into the arena and then the king would declare that he had the privilege of settling his own destiny and whichever door he wanted to open he could open but he did not know what was behind the door. If he opened the door that the tiger was behind, the tiger would come out and eat him alive, and that would be the end of that. Or if he opened the door that had the lady behind him, the lady would come out, and right there in the arena, they would get married. It didn't matter if he had been married, was married at the time or not. That wasn't part of the issue then. He just, whatever, whatever lady came out, he married her. They celebrated. The priest came out and did the the wedding and and they rejoiced and and that was was how the the king settled his issues. The king had a beautiful daughter and she had a a boyfriend who was a commoner. And this common boyfriend, it, it kind of disturbed the king that it was happening. There was some probably false accusations against this common boyfriend of his royal daughter. And so he said this, this boyfriend would have to go to the arena. Well, the, the daughter of the king was influential enough. She she asked around, and she found out which door was the tiger, because they alternated She found out which door was going to be the tiger and which door was going to be the lady. And then though she kept investigating and checking things out and she she discovered who the lady was behind the door. The lady was a, a fair lady. In fact, earlier in in time, the lady that was behind the door and the her and this lady's boyfriend who was in the middle of the arena, they had had a relationship back a while back, but but the the daughter of the king had won out and was her boyfriend now so she knew which door was a tiger and she knew which door was a lady and she knew who the lady was she knew that the lady was a competitor of hers and she knew this about a week ahead and so she had been wrestling with what do I do uh what do I do? Um, what do I want to happen? Do I want my boyfriend who I love, do I want him to go to the tiger door and get ate up, ate up by a tiger? Or do I want him to go to the lady door and marry the lady and I would lose him forever? Which do I want to happen? So when the young man stepped out of the door into arena, he turned and he looked back up at the, at the monarch, at the king, and he saluted him. But then he was really looking to the lady on his left. He was looking to his girlfriend. And he looked at her with that piercing and questioning look. And she made one little gesture pointing to the left. And when he got that little signal, he turned Looked at the two doors, squared his shoulders. And that's where the story ends. It's almost an O. Henry ending. It's written by Frank R. Stockton. I wrestled with whether I should tell you that story or not. I wrestled with whether I should tell it at the first or at the last, because my fear was that if I told you the story at the first, you would be wrestling with it in your mind, which door did he open? Which door did she tell him to open? Did he open the door that she told him to open, or did he question her love? It's a great story. But the king sat before that man two doors. I our reading from Revelation. God set before the church an open door. There's a little bit of a difference between setting before someone two doors of unknown quality and not knowing really what that door is Then God setting before the church an open door. He has a way, a place for us to go. It's not a secret. God is not a tease like the author was. God is not a tease like that king was. God is not like that princess who had some ulterior motives to her reasoning there. God is different than that. When God sets before us an open door, it's for our good. How many of you have been to New York City? Whoa, well-traveled bunch here tonight. How many of you have ever been to the Statue of Liberty? on what island, just as, this is just geography check, what island, <coughs> Ellis Island, Emma Lazarus, at the time of the building of the, of the Statue of Liberty, she was a poet, she was a, an activist poet, she, she, was, she always had an agenda to her writing, read the history of the poem, it's interesting, but she wrote a poem, it was uh, The Colossus, you have to read the whole poem. But first but it was, she wrote it aiming for the Statue of Liberty. I see some of you on your phones right now. You're checking it out. See if I'm telling you the truth. This is a part of Emma Lazarus' poem that is on the Statue of Liberty. It's just a, a portion of the poem. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free, to breathe free the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Now to those who were coming to Ellis Island, they were becoming citizens of the United States. They were making their first trip to the United States. They were leaving a homeland. They were leaving somewhere that was troubled. They were coming here for a better life, they supposed. And this was their, this was a, a message they spoke to them. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Because it was a golden door of opportunity. It was, it was a, a place to better themselves. I'm, I really believe, and I've, I've prayed about this message. Knowing the timing. I really believe that we are going into 2020, and it is a year of opportunity. Not only for us as individuals, but also for the Lighthouse Church. We are entering a time of opportunity. There's lots of things that are in place for the next step to be taken. There's a lot of stuff that's, that's, that is that's ordered, and, and it's happening, and, and it's ready for the Lighthouse to take that next step into revival, next step into growth, next step into making a mark on this community to make a difference in the lives of people we're we're ready to get there but but we've got to go through that door of opportunity and sometimes we're hesitant to make change most of us like the settledness of who we are and what we are and where we are and anything that threatens to kind of turn that apple cart upside down we're a little resistant of that that's just how we are that's not a bad thing it's just how we are but sometimes even though it's not a bad thing it doesn't help us to go through that open door we've got to take advantage of that there's a passage of scripture Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 when thou passest through the waters I will be with thee and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shall not be burned, neither shall the, shall the flame kindle upon thee. Why? Because I will be with thee. When I'm looking into the newness of 2020, when I'm looking into whatever's going to happen in 2020, a verse like that gives me comfort. It encourages me to take off into the new year without fear, without fainting, without being Afraid of whatever the future may hold, but I can walk into the future confident that God is with me. Fire, flame, flood, whatever, God will be with me. There's another verse of Scripture. It's in the 139th Psalm. I'm not going to read the whole Psalm. It's a great Psalm. Get a chance, read it. I'm only lifting a portion out of that. If you read the whole Psalm, you can see the context of it. But, but with verse 7, The psalmist is asking a question. Whither shall I go from your spirit? Or or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and, and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Those two phrases, you will lead me and you will hold me, that gives me a confidence along with the psalmist that I can walk into the future, the unknownness of the future. I can walk into the future confident. I don't have to tiptoe into the future. I don't have to be timid about walking into the future, walking into the newness of 2020. I can walk there knowing that no matter what comes my way, I am more than able to, to go through it, to not only endure it, but, but to, to thrive in it because God is with me, His hand leads me, and His right hand holds me. There's another passage of Scripture written by a psalmist. Psalmist David wrote. And it's the twenty-third psalm. A lot of you can quote the twenty-third psalm. Let's see if you can. I see some of your mouths ain't moving. <laughs> can we pantomime that? Yeah. Let's try it again. I'll I'll, I'll read it also, folks. The Lord is my shepherd. I, oh, I just remembered. Ah, I remembered. Brother Andy's on the ball. He's helping you all out. Let's try this again. Now your lips ought to move. You, you can see it. Let's try The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I want to go back to that one verse in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Whenever we're marching into a brand new year, a place we've never gone before, we've got a promise of the Lord that He will be with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. When you have no fear, it's amazing what you can do. My grandpa was an amazing man. He died the same day Lincoln, uh, excuse me, not Lincoln. Same day Kennedy, John Kennedy was shot. My grandfather died that same day. So it's a double trauma to me. My grandfather passed away when I was young. But he was fearless. He was not a large man. He worked for the railroad in his working years, but he retired from that. But One thing that he was known for, he was not afraid of dogs. Now, back in the day, how many of you have a dog? How many of you you have your dog in the house? How many of you pamper your dog? And how many people do you know of that is afraid of your dog? (laughs) I see one or two here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if anybody was afraid of Sister Stacy's dog. What's his name? Her name. Her name. I said, what is its name? Because I didn't know if it was a Coco, I should have known that. Sound like the name of a perfume or something. Imagine naming a dog after a perfume. But back in the day they were bad dogs. Meaner than a junkyard dog. Any of you ever heard that expression? Yeah, meaner than a junkyard dog. And they had junkyard dogs. They had these old cur dogs. They had some bad dogs. People keep them in the yard to keep other people out of their yard. And it worked. Until my grandfather came along. People would start bragging about their dog, how bad their dog was, mean their dog was. My grandfather wore a hat. And he would walk into the, up to the, they had a, this particular house had a picket fence, swinging gate. So when my granddad got there, he went up to the gate, and he just rattled it real loud. He wanted to get that dog's attention. dog was in the backyard at that point. And the dog barked once or twice. He came running to the front, teeth bared, barking, just horribly barking. And the owner came out to the front porch, and he was just laughing because he just knew this as far as this one was going to go. But my grandfather opened the gate, and the dog went crazy. Hackles, ri- or, or, what do hackles do? Rise, raise, raise, raise. Stand up. All those hackles standing up on the back of his neck, and he was growling, teeth barred, And my granddad took his hat off, and he got down like this in front of the dog, and he would move that hat this way. And the dog, you know how dogs do. Minute. When they, when they, does y'all's dogs do that? Strange noise. Crinkling the snack package. My grandfather just came. the dog looked at it just a little bit longer and the dog literally tucked his tail between his legs and just yelped and then kind of whined like a baby and ran under the porch and just stuck his nose out looking my, my dad, my, the, the man was very mad at my grandfather he was very angry at my grandfather because he broke the dog's spirit and he was never a good watchdog after that, anybody could come in after that, it was, it was bad, it kind of messed him up but my grandfather had no fear, not just of that, but of people. Of, of He had no fear. It wasn't ignorant. It was just he was confident in what he could do. And it's amazing what we can do when we have no fear. If it was possible for me to remove from you the fear of failure, it's amazing what you could do. but I can't. I can compliment you, brag on you when you do it good, and when you do it bad, you'll not say a whole lot about it. I can try to work on building your confidence, but I can't take fear away. But I'm glad to know there is a perfect love that casteth out all fear. And when that love that you were singing about, not his love, but his love, that love that you were singing about, it has a way of... of being with us in such a way that we don't have to fear. We can walk into the future without fear because we know He is with us. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art free. 2020, a brand new year. Any of you journal? Several, some? You can get a brand new journal for this year. Whatever was last year, that's last year. Start a brand new year, a new lease on life. Turn over a new leaf, whatever term you want to use. We are in a brand new year, and we can we can we can determine I'm gonna live this year by faith, not by fear. When the opportunity comes to do something for God, I'm gonna do it. Not not with timidity, but with a boldness that may be unlike me. But it's not unlike Him in what He can empower me to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. I'm going to put a little different twist on that by God's grace, there is no temptation that will come to you that you're not able to bear. He will make a way of escape. But I would also like to to couple with that not only in times of temptation but in times of opportunity. God will give you that opportunity and if you will look for it, He will have that door opening for you to fulfill that opportunity. You don't have to with, with reticence hold back from doing what God opens for you to do. When, when the book of Revelation says that God set before them an open door, they didn't have to question whether to walk through that or not. God put that door there and they walked through it by faith. When we're tempted the best thing to do is start looking for that way of escape because God has a way of escape God will provide it He will. Matthew chapter 28 Verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. One translation says, even unto the end of the age. I will be with you always. You don't have to worry about walking into 2020 without him. You can't walk faster than he is. The great news is when you get to 2020, whatever month it is in the future, when you get there, he's already there. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. But he's also omnipresent, which means he's everywhere, but he's also there in all time. He's there. Aren't you glad you're not a sloth? You know, there's a lot of animals I kind of would like to be. I mean, I don't want to quit being a human being, but but there are some animals that I just admire. I think they're great. But a sloth? About how slow they move. <laughs> a sloth. But do you know when a sloth is traveling... Doesn't get there very fast, you know. If you ask him where you're going, I don't know if he would know, you know. Well, if I can just get to that next little leaf, I'll be doing good, you know. If I can get one more foot down the limb of this tree, I'll be doing good. Sloth—they just move so slow. And their world, in my opinion, I don't—I'm not in the mind of a sloth, but. In, in, my, in my thinking of them their world is pretty small because they can't get there anywhere fast and they're, they're limited by time and, and space and their movement and, and it's just small but if you take an eagle soaring high when that eagle is soaring he sees more than just that limb that he's on from the, the, the vantage point of height he sees much with keen eyesight, he sees what he's going after. He go, and, and he's, he's observing. He knows what's going on in his world. A sloth's world is so small. There are some times that when we think, even as a human being, we're so limited. We need to look at, at things from God's point of view. Sister Phyllis uh, Magruder sang From God's Point of View. Google that sometime, that song. It's a gorgeous song. Whenever we look at things from God's point of view, amazing things happen because He sees the end from the beginning. He's not limited by what we're limited by. We see things as they are. He sees things as though they could be. When I think of of God, I want to trust Him to take care of my. I want to trust Him to open the right doors, close the wrong doors. When He gives me direction, I want to trust Him and say, okay, God, that's how I want it to be. Because He knows, He sees so much more than what we see. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come before the throne of grace boldly. when when you think of a throne as a throne of judgment you wouldn't approach that boldly because you know your judgment is, is at hand but this is not a throne of judgment that he's inviting us to, he's inviting us to come to the throne of grace and to come boldly to that throne so as we're walking into the into our new year. We're walking into whatever 2020 holds for us. If we realize that we're walking into this new year while we're while we're standing at the foot of that throne of grace, we can do that with a boldness that God gives to us. We can do it. Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Three Hebrew boys Old enough to have left home, the enemy came and conquered their home home country, carried them off captives. They limited their lifestyle and their diet to accommodate Jehovah, and God blessed them. They made decisions to accommodate Jehovah and their relationship with Him, and God blessed them. But there came a time when it seemed as if God's blessings were not there, the king said everybody's got to bow down to me to my golden image at a certain time when all the music starts playing but these three boys stood firm they stood tall they did not bow so the king threw them in the fiery furnace interestingly God did not turn off the fire wouldn't that have been nice we're going to throw you in there and then before they get there, the fire's turned off and it's all cool. And that'd be a great story. That's not what had happened. They went in the fire and it was, it was seven times hotter than ever before and it killed the guards. It threw them in. It was a rough time, but God was with them. There was a fourth one in the fire. People observed, said it looks like the Son of God is in there with them. And sure enough, God was in the fire with them. Three went in, but then they saw four in three came out. Someone said, well, why did that fourth one not come out? Some songwriter said, it's because when I get in the fire again, he's going to still be there. I'm glad that no matter what my future may hold, my concern is that God is with me. I could reverse it and say that I am with him. God that may be more appropriate more closely true God didn't put out the fire he just was in there with them they came out unsinged no smoky smell their ropes were burnt off their hands they came out blessed it's not about God stopping all the things that may happen to us in this coming year that are bad it's not what it's all about but it's all about him going with us in whatever we face That gives me a boldness, a wonderful time. You know, God is a gentleman. He's a judge. He's a lot of things. But he's a gentleman, and he opens doors for us. That's what gentlemen do. And he opens doors for us, and he invites us to travel a little farther, to do something a little grander. He's there to, to help us. And no matter what it is, when we get there, God is when we walk into it with that frame of mind I'd like to look at another scripture kind of to to close come to a close tonight Joshua chapter 3 began with verse 3 verses 3 through 5 let me just give you a quick setting part. Joshua chapter 3 children of Israel have left Egypt Moses led them out of Egypt they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years Moses at the end of that 40 years Moses went up in the mountain and died because God wouldn't let him go into the promised land he was able to see it from afar but he couldn't go there and the new leader is Joshua so Joshua is the new leader and it's 40 years earlier Joshua had crossed the Jordan River and went to Canaan. he saw the big grapes he saw all the giants him and Caleb came back with a positive report the other 10 spies came back with a negative report that happened 40 years ago and now 40 years later here is Joshua ready to lead the people across the same Jordan River and into the promised land. And, and at this point in time, it wasn't just a river that they faced, but they could see this large, walled, huge city of Jericho that it had a reputation. And so they knew if they got across the river, they still were facing that. And they were concerned about what to do, how to do it. But God came in on time and gave Joshua instructions of what to do. He said, here's how I want you to do it. I want you to gather some men to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And I want them to, to walk ahead. And then I want everybody else to follow in procession, to follow behind them, about a mile and a half behind them. And when the feet of those priests carrying the ark, when it when their feet touch the water, the Jordan River will roll back and you'll be able to cross on dry land. That's a wonderful That's a wonderful set of instructions. Wouldn't you have been like the one to put your foot in the water first? And just hoping that it rolls back. And so they did. They followed it. But he wanted them to be about a mile and a half behind. He didn't want the Ark of the Covenant to get lost among the people. When the people camped for the 40 years, there were three tribes on that side of the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle, three on that side, three on that side, three on that side. The, the people surrounded the, the tabernacle, and the Ark of the Covenant. They surrounded it. Their, their central focus was, was God. But now, when it comes, comes time to cross over into the Promised Land, God didn't say, everybody surround we'll all go through together. But instead, he sent the ark first. It was a declaration that no matter where you go, I'm going there ahead of you. When you get to the river, I will have already crossed it. When you get to your troubled spots, I will already be there and, and, and can tell you how to do it. But there were three things in that ark of the covenant according to the book of Hebrews there were three things in there there was the commandments of the Lord there was Aaron's rod that budded and there was a third thing there was a golden pot of manna and when God told them to follow that ark into the promised land they weren't just following a piece of furniture But there was some symbolism in that ark that spoke volumes to them. The first was God's word. If you want to be victorious in that Canaan land, your land of promise, your 2020, if you want to be victorious in that new land, then you need to follow the word of God. The second thing was in there was Aaron's rod that budded. And if you remember, at a certain time, Aaron threw down his rod Remember the snakes ate rods, and his rod ate the snakes, and lot to that. But there came a time when Aaron's rod was in competition with other rods after the Exodus, and and Aaron's rod budded and bare almonds. It was a miracle. But Aaron's rod is the one that it, it was. It was, it was God showing the people at that at that moment at that time. There is an order of leadership among the children of Israel. Don't follow those other people. Aaron's rod is the one that budded. There was authority in the priesthood that Aaron was a part of. And so there was a a structure, a leadership, and God is saying, follow the God-ordained leadership into 2020. Great advice. But the next thing, the third thing, final thing that was in the ark, according to Hebrews, was a golden pot of manna. The golden pot of manna was definitely a a total description of God's miraculous power to feed in a time of famine, to feed when there was really nothing else to eat. God was able to provide for them when there was nobody else that could get that many people that much food. But God provided when we walk into 2020, as we are following the ark of the Lord, we can follow His word, we can follow His leaders, and we can follow the promise of His provision for us when we get into our 2020. God has a way of making things work for us. In Joshua chapter 24, 15, the same man, Joshua said, "If it's speaking to the people of Israel, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood in Egypt or the gods of the Amorites in whom land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He made a decision. He came to grips with what the future held and he understood the only way that I can walk into the future is if I walk into the future having God as my I will serve the Lord in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30 again read the whole chapter it's a great thing to try to put it in context but let me just read from verse 19 I have called I called heaven and earth to record this day against you that I've set before you life and death blessing and cursing Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. God set before the people of Israel at that point two doors, a door of life and a door of death. And he encouraged them, he commanded them to choose life, that things would go well for them. Choose life. As we go into 2020, there were things that we can choose. We're going to be making choices nearly every day. I'm not talking about choices on whether I wear, for the ladies, whether I wear flats or heels. I'm glad we don't have to work Am I going to eat Chick-fil-A or am I going to eat Burger King or Taco Bell? Or Kudos? face choices, every, but we also face some crucial choices. And I close as the musicians come, I, I close with a final story, true story. Back in the 1930s. If you lived in the 30s, you have lived in 10 decades. His name was Frank, I believe, is his name. Her name was Ford. 1930, time of depression, bad depression. You talk to people, if you know anyone who was alive in the 30s, I talked to a lady this morning. She was alive in the 30s. Those days were tough, days of depression. This man, he he, he had a, several children. He and Florida they were struggling financially, everybody was struggling but he got word from his family back in England that one of his people had passed away and he was the inheritor of 4.3 million dollars their money back then one stipulation he had to move back to England he lived here in the States, apostolic man. Went to a good apostolic church. His children were doing well in church. His wife was doing well in church. And he and his wife prayed about this opportunity, this open door. They prayed about it. They wondered if this is this what we should do or not. What, what should we do? They wrestled with it. And in their in their concern, they contacted some people back in England where they were going to have to move if they were going to get this inheritance. They said, is there an apostolic church there? And there was no apostolic church for hundreds of miles around where they were going to have to live. And he realized, if I move there, my family is not going to have a church to go to. They won't have that security of a congregation, of of fellow saints. They won't have the protection of a shepherd over them. It'll be a tough time. And at the risk of losing $4.3 million, Frank and Flora said, no, we will not move back to England for that. So they chose to remain just normal, struggling people in America during the Depression. Today, they have over 150 descendants. Majority of them, not every one of them, but the vast majority of them are all apostolic people. One of the grandsons of Frank and Flora is Brother Stan Gleason. Anybody know Brother Stan Gleason? His brother Gary Gleason the whole quartet of those that set of Gleason's. Two of the sons of Frank and Flora was Wendell and Orion Gleason. They taught my dad when my dad was in Bible college at ABI. All of those 150 descendants have impacted a lot of people down through the years. But you can trace it back to a man and a woman who were facing something new in their life. They were facing something they had never faced before. And they went to God when it came time to make a decision. And because they went to God, they were able to make a decision with eternity in mind. They had a right focus when they faced that decision. Why? Because I will fear no evil, for thou, Art with me. The depression can't be bad enough for this to be a wrong decision. Because I'm making a decision based on eternity. I don't know what you will face in 2020. I would say that some of you are a part of White House, and you've had times of brokenness. You've had times of hurt. I pray that the lighthouse is a tool in the hand of the Lord to help bring healing. It's my prayer, daily prayer. I want to be a healer. I want our congregation to be a healer, not a herder, A lifter up, not a putter down. But, but I have a feeling going into 2020, someone else may become hurt with life. It happens. But even in the middle of that hurt, I still pray that we can be a healing congregation. Let the healing balm of God flow through here. Touch us, touch others. We can go there boldly when we understand, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Before all of us, there's an open door. Before all of us, there's an opportunity to take the high road, do the right thing, live more nobly. Live with eternity in mind. And I think God can help us. Shall we stand today?